Good morning, happy Wednesday, and welcome to Anna vs. the Man. Today we've got news, news, and more news. Yes, it's our catch-up day. We've had a lot of fun this week, but it's time to be responsible as journalists, or whatever version of that, which we are here at Anna vs. the Man. But yes, we do take our responsibility to our audience, you, to make sure that you are truly informed, that if you make this your primary or exclusive source of news, although you really should never have just one source of news. But uh, the, the, you will be there. Will, nothing will take you by surprise at the water cooler except for the stupid, meaningless, nonsense, bullshit, distracting news stories that your coworkers are talking about. But in terms of what's meaningful going on in the world, we are going to do our job and make sure that you have a good view of current events in a great historical context as well. Oh, yeah, and something about an empowering message of helping humanity move towards a more free society. We'll throw a little bit of that in, too, as well. So join us today. We got got the whole crew, and uh, we're going to go through our promos, and we're going to be watching comments. And uh, I don't don't know, do we have have a contest today? But we had a great guest, Christina Nelson, uh, also known as Mrs. Blind Justice, or Mrs. Justice to Blind Justice, our friend Mike Nelson. A uh, blind veteran who does a lot of ballsy activism, and he has got some, uh, I believe he's in jail right now, which is why we're talking to Christina. So we're going to get some updates on some of his recent legal challenges, current legal challenges, and uh, what, we need a comment, we need a comment contest for today. I still think, I think we can just continue yesterday's because that was a failure. And not on our part. Oh, we were great. Jim was great. I was great. CJ was great. You guys fucked up. You I, really ah. All right, now so the contest is: uh, Can you come up with a name for a currency for the soon-to-be sovereign nation of Gardenia, the Garden of Freedom? That's right. At some point, uh, excuse me. Yeah, I got a little got a little frog in my throat this morning. Uh, and and there's some, there there have been some different ideas tossed around about this for when we declare sovereignty here next Independence Day. That we're going to need our own money, right? Like, what's the point of being a sovereign country if you can't print your own money? Now, I am not suggesting that we in any way engage in a fiat currency racket or even any kind of uh, gimmick coin. You know, I, I man, I, I've said this, I feel like, too many times now, but since I was a, a very early booster of, of Bitcoin and, and, and crypto in general, uh, so many different people have reached out to me going, oh, you got to have Adam versus the man coin or freedom coin. And it's like, you mean I got to use crypto in a gimmicky way to raise money for myself? No, n- not going to do it. Uh, there, there have been so many gimmick coins that have, that have come and gone. And not only do I not want to contribute to the degradation, potentially, of the idea of crypto. But I don't want to rip people off. How about that? Hey, we got a super chat already from here in Bividum. Kokesh Cash. No. Uh, 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 yeah, see, I think we had a guest like, oh, it was Coke Cash was our guest from yesterday. So today, like, it would be really cool if someone came up with even uh, a, a more coherent concept, you know, like, because it doesn't have to be a white paper. It could just be, Adam, you have a crypto that does X, Y, Z that's good for this and therefore has some uh, 
righteous, virtuous value. Like maybe a crypto is good for, uh, you know, if we issue, uh, you know, gardenia coins that we, we promise that, you know, if you 10 gardenia coins are always redeemable for one night stay here in gardenia, you know, I mean, that's, that's not a complete idea. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of problems with that already just off the top of my head. But you can come up with just a name. Like the, the, the currency doesn't have to be physically real or, or something that we do even. It could be uh, conceptual, uh, like one ounce of gold in Gardenia is called a Gardonia coin or something silly like that. But that's not going to win the contest either. So today, if you're in the comments, we've got Jim and CJ and Mercedes all watching comments, but of course, comments and freedom on the job today. And oh, throwing these up here, the guard, Marcus. Yeah, the guard isn't short for Gardenia. Yeah, yeah. So like, if it ends up being called that, maybe. Oh, we got it on shoots butts, shoots shuts butts, shoots butts. Melody. I'm, if I was German, it would be shoots butts, but uh, it does sound cool. I don't, I don't see any particular, I don't get it. Maybe there's something more to it. Jeez. Well, look at this. Mac Guffin is a weird name for a currency, but Mac Guffinomics might worry the title for the use of fiat in general. Yeah, we got Mac Guffin yesterday. That was fun. Uh, but nothing. Stand by. Give your answers just a little bit more thought. What would actually be a practical name of a currency for the Garden of Freedom? And if you, if you win today, and there's the, the, the criteria for winning is, can you come up with Adam's favorite answer? If it's my favorite answer, you win. Uh, it could be something totally dumb off the wall. It could be a currency-related joke that has nothing to do with the, uh, the contest of the day. And you might win the contest anyway. That's how free we are here. Uh, and what you'd be winning is membership in the Anniversary of the Man Producers Club. And, man, am I happy about this thing. It's been so much fun. This is, this is what I watched during the show, actually is the uh, the Adverse of the Man Producers Club, where Mercedes just said, oh, shit. Um, CJ said, I think today's contest should be, what day does Adam think it is? Funniest answer wins. Is it not Wednesday? Did, did I not say it was Wednesday? I, I lost track yesterday. I got it wrong. But, yeah, it is a week since our... Uh, Freedom Factory building. Jim wasn't on yesterday. Oh, that's what I got wrong, right. When did we do the contest with the currency last? Was that Monday? Anyway, so we're going to do a continuation of Monday's contest instead of yesterday's contest. I stand corrected. And <laughs> uh, what you win is membership in the Producer's Club, which you could buy. I mean, if you want to be cheap and boring about it, you can just give us money. Go to adamversustheman.com. There's a link to our Patreon there. You give us, give us whatever you want. Uh, one, five, ten, fifty dollars a month or, you know, unwanted children. We'll take them all. But ten dollars a month, that's really where it's at. That gets you membership in the producers club. And yeah, I, I do have to apologize. We did get a complaint that there has not been enough behind the footage scenes recently on our Patreon, and that's because Jim hasn't been here. Sad, sad. Jim has been making money in the great metropolis of Phoenix, 
instead of making freedom out here, the growing freedom here at the Garden of Freedom. Um, I, I guess I could be doing more uh, behind-the-scenes stuff myself, but he's the one who figured out. He's, he's the one who manages the whole Patreon thing. Just like Mercedes now. This is, this is the coolest thing. I've never been able to say on, on my on my staff or on my team that I've had I've had a debate manager. I have my own debate manager now. But yeah, I know that makes me sound cool or pretentious. That was definitely my pretentious voice. But Mercedes is managing my presence at MakeThemDebate.com and arranging what, and whatever other debates. You know, I get challenged to debates or invited for debates all the time. But uh, to to actually have this platform where we can make more debates happen is really cool. Like this, I I, I don't know much about this website. It's pretty new. Uh, they told us that ours was the first, the one that we did last week between myself and Dario Rahim, and it was this is really cool how this happened because it was just some some dude on Tios on Twitter. I don't know his I don't know his real name. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about the guy. Anteos just was like, well, I'm a fan of both of you. I'd love to see you debate this topic. I heard there was this new platform that hasn't even hosted a single debate yet. Let's put you guys up on there, and I'll chip in a little bit of money and see if we can make that happen. Oh, look at that. CJ, hot shit. Now, CJ, which which one? I I think you're showing uh, Dario's version. It's got all the comments from, from his fans. So you can watch me debate Dario and his fans at the same time with one hand tied behind my back while presenting kittens. Yeah, the cats broke in to the studio while that debate was happening, and these kittens, oh my gosh, I'm in love. These things are adorable. They came, they were they were playing on my lap. They, they were walking around, crawling around, and at the end of everything I would say, I would just pick up a kitten and be like, and this is Pumpkin. He's five weeks old, and therefore your argument is invalid. It was a lot of fun. It was great. I, I think if you're ever if you're losing a debate and you just want to win, you know, just bring out some kittens. This is my kitten, so and so, and you can't you can't lose. I was winning the debate anyway. It was a lot of fun. It was basically is taxation justified? And and Dario was saying as a libertarian, he recognizes that taxation is theft, but takes a completely utilitarian argument. And I'm like, whoa. We're having an ends justify the means debate now? All right. All right. Oh, hey, and there we got the kittens up on the screen, too. And you can follow us. I think I hear kittens scratching outside right now. Maybe they'll come in to introduce them. <laughs> Maybe they heard I was talking about them. Maybe they'll be uh, jumping up on stage here by the end of the show to introduce themselves. We'll see. It's Wednesday. Anything could happen. So. One last promo, if you go to CigarFederation.com, you can join me. You can buy your favorite cigars and join me Fridays for Cigars and Sunset. They're little AMAs every Friday at 6 o'clock with the sunset here. Although I think that we're going to have to bump it up 30 minutes this week. We're going to make it 5.30 to 6.30. Those JSK Nugs are CBD-infused cigars, and they are freaking amazing. If I was organized enough, I'd be smoking one every single day. So, um, Mercedes says, get the kids for the interview. It'll improve the mood while we talk about hard things. But there, there's some good news mixed into the pile today, too, Mercedes. And if not, I will, you know, as always, see some silver lining out of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, but kittens. All right. Oh, the last thing is if you're also at Anniversary, I mean, I know you're going to Anniversary of the Man right now. In order to 
find our Patreon link and, and, and get that done. But when you get done with that, you come back to the store or come back to anniversesdemand.com. Don't miss the store. There's some truly awesome merchandise. I mean, my favorite are these mugs. You know, we got Freedom on one side and uh, an Anniversary of the Man on the other. But even better, there's yeah, here, here, right, so, yeah, this one right here. Yeah, and in, in case people didn't know, this is the first time we've ever had merch for the Garden of Freedom. Now, eventually, uh, we hope to have we, we have the we have, we got thegardenoffreedom.com. For like ten dollars, normal registration fee with uh, with Namecheap. I use Namecheap.com. CJ hates them. I love them. I love Namecheap.com. Uh, not a paid endorsement, but they've been uh, they've, they've been very helpful. Great place to park URL. So we have thegardenoffreedom.com. There's nothing up there now. It just redirects to uh, our Facebook page. But I, I would love to have someone, uh, you know, as, as full time staff or intern to help with the Gardenia Sovereignty Project. Uh, dealt with big Igu geodesics to be a caretaker here. Uh, a couple of other projects that we've got in the works. If you're interested in getting involved with any of this or coming to visit us out here at the Garden of Freedom, please just send me an email, adam at thefreedomline.com. So, and Jim, a lot of good comments already, people trying to guess or uh, trying to entertain me with suggestions for what the Gardenia currency should be. Do we, do we have any other good ones? Marcus, Fed free coin. Uh, no, no, it's true, but <clears throat> we are the well. Is the central? No, we're not. We're a monarchy. We're not. We're not feds. So it would be Fed free coin. Yeah, that's fair. I was gonna say, well, we're creating our own, our own federal government here in Gardenia, but technically, by the meaning of the word federal, as in like of a federation or conglomerate, does not apply here. We are a pretty small. Politically singular propertarian constitutional monarchy here, ruled by King Adam Charles Kokesh I. Forever may he reign. Uh, Pasta Yogi investigative reporter. Cosmic coins, cosmic cash. I think there's already a lesser known crypto by that name. All right, we got a lot of news. Let's just jump right into it here, unless CJ wants to tell me I'm forgetting something else, like what day it is or anything like that. So, top news story today, not really top news story, but for our audience, I think you'll appreciate this, from ZeroHedge.com, John McAfee arrested in Spain and charged with tax evasion and promoting initial coin offering. Now, it's funny, I understand that you can be charged with tax evasion. Like, if you don't let us steal your money, we're, we, we designated that a crime as government. That's 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 a crime. Uh, not, not a real crime. There's no victim. But... It's a uh, crime on the books, so to speak. But promoting initial coin offerings? I think there's just a, a miswording in this headline, charged with promoting initial coin offerings, because that's not the exact charge. It, th- th- there's, there's an element of fraud that they're accusing him of here. And, and people have said this stuff about, about John McAfee for years, and, and when we were running mates, I was aware that uh, that there was this criticism that he was Engaged in a kind of uh, pump and dump, if you want, uh, if you want to describe it as as badly as possible, for uh, promoting new cryptocurrencies and making money off of them as their prices went up, because he was able to convince his large Twitter following to buy into these 
new cryptocurrencies. Now, in and of itself, if that's not really, if you're making money just promoting new cryptocurrencies and someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got a new cryptocurrency, you've got a big platform, I'll give you some of this new currency to promote it and you get a chunk of it and you promote it and it goes up and then you realize, oh, it's just another, uh, you know, bullshit shot at replacing Bitcoin or, or one of the other dominant cryptos that actually has like a monetary purpose and, and then you sell it. That in and of itself is fine. The question is, you, well, you do walk up to a lot of lines with that, right? If you did it knowingly in advance that that was what was going to happen, then it is a form of fraud. And if you try to sell something to someone in order for your holdings of that something to go up in value, with the intent of selling it, knowing that that value doesn't exist, then you're committing fraud. And if you're lying about it in the course of doing so, that might be a separately identifiable crime. So I think that's what they're getting at here. Quick end of the story here. A little over a year after former tech guru and one-time presidential candidate, John McAfee was arrested in the Dominican Republic aboard a yacht carrying high-caliber weapons, ammunition, and military-style gear. You know what? I'm, I wonder if, like, they're – I mean, this is, this is by Tyler Durden. This is from Zero Hedge. I'm a little surprised. They're taking this kind of mainstream, you know, uh, negative, just degrading kind of journalism. I mean, they have to put in parentheses, aboard a yacht carrying high-caliber weapons, ammunition, and military-style gear. I mean, it reminds me of when I was arrested and, and, and had my home raided in Virginia, and the judge said, I had an arsenal. He had an arsenal of guns because I had about a dozen guns in a safe, most of which I didn't even have ammo for. And military-style equipment, you're like, seems a little bit sensationalist. And two months after a fake arrest for wearing a thong mask, on Monday the eccentric millionaire was arrested, this time for real, in Spain where he is awaiting extradition to the U.S. after he was charged with tax evasion by federal prosecutors who allege McAfee hid cryptocurrency, a yacht, and real estate as part of a conspiracy to evade taxes, which he forgot to pay from he forgot to pay from 2014 to 2018. Wait, this motherfucker can hide a yacht? Sounds like a magician. I think we should let him go. At the same time, the SEC also charged the former programmer for promoting investments in ICOs to his Twitter followers without disclosing that he was paid to do so. McAfee's bodyguard, Jimmy Watson Jr., was also charged for his role in the alleged scheme. So, you know, well, if you're not disclosing that you're paid to do so, I, is that in itself a Like, if I, if I were paid by, uh, by Namecheap, the web hosting company, to mention that I use them on the air and you know like I like I say not a paid promotion because uh I mean it's just kind of an expectation of disclosure I guess and honesty directness openness with my audience but it's also uh, a way of bolstering my uh endorsement in that sense when I say I use name cheap and I like it and they're not paying me to say that it's a little more genuine than if I left that off or said and they're paying me to say this 
And with John McAfee, in the case of these ICOs, he's being paid to promote these ICOs and not disclosing that. I think this is a buyer beware kind of situation. If so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm missing something here. But if if I, I mean, if someone is selling you something, do they have a lawful, not legal, separate question, but do they have a, a sort of lawful responsibility to tell you that someone is paying them to sell that? I don't think they do. I think. There's an obligation to answer honestly. If they answer dishonestly, then they're committing fraud. But I don't think it's a fraud by omission. If you leave that out, I mean, everybody who's selling something is usually getting, a lot of, most people selling stuff are getting paid to sell stuff. <laughs> you know, or they're selling it for themselves. So, I'm, 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 I'm pretty discouraged by this. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if there were plenty of other laws, and not the natural law, that John McAfee has broken here, and that they're kind of going on a fishing expedition. We got an excuse to arrest him, which gives us access to more of his stuff, his data, his records, and I, I think that uh, at worst, what, to describe you know what what John McAfee was doing with. ICOs was a little bit self-serving, but unless he knew and unless they can prove that he knew there was some other manipulation behind what he's doing, we're talking about victimless crimes. So I'm I'm really disheartened by this. You know, I, I thought John McAfee's wild ride would never come to an end. Uh, according to the story, Magazine's last tweet is from September 12, in which he explained why he is not voting for anyone. This is a great tweet, by the way. He says, who am I voting for? No one. Why would I choose one person over another to control me? Slave masters are the same. We are numbers rather, rather than people, irrespective of the master. And, you know, I, I think there's a certain amount of incentive for, I, I mean, if you think about, like a secret government most wanted list, like who's going to be the guy that gets John McAfee? He's got to be pretty up there on the list as a, as a uh, high-value target for bragging rights among the feds. And so now it's SEC saying that he was, in his promotion of ICOs, doing so fraudulently, how they're going to prove an, an obligation to disclose and something like this. Oh, here's a quote from... Christina Littman, the cyber unit chief of the SEC. Potential investors in digital asset securities are entitled to know if promoters were compensated by the issuers of those securities. McAfee, assisted by Watson, allegedly leveraged his fame to deceptively tout numerous digital asset securities to his followers without informing investors of his role as a paid promoter. Hmm. I don't think we want government to come in and tell us what other people have an obligation to tell us or not in business dealings. That being said, this enforcement paradigm being the only mechanism, or rather the best, or no, not, mm, the dominant government mechanism by which society deals with issues like this these days, 
Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, to to watch this one play out in the courts and see how they really try to uh, to pin it on John. But right now, um, just for for this you know warrior for freedom, you know, and and uh, there someone who is whose voice has promoted uh, ethics and libertarian values uh, powerfully and consistently. It's no surprise that they're they're finding something to go after him for. Now I'm not trying to make any particular call about, you know, any of these charges um, about about the facts that we don't have, uh, we don't have all of them yet. But uh, we have come to a sad state of affairs in the world where for most governments, and certainly the United States federal government, they have written so many laws. I mean, how many pages in the federal registry? It's It's insane. But the point is, that they have criminalized so much of normal human behavior uh, that there's a book about this. There's a book written by a law professor called Three Felonies a Day because the average American commits three felonies a day, mostly in financial crimes that we don't know even are crimes. So the effect of that is that if they don't like you, they can arrest you at any time, literally anybody. Now, yeah, there's a sort of limit on this of, did I trigger them? Did I upset them? Did I did I give them an excuse? I'm I'm still well within the the norm of what everybody uh, you know around me is doing. But what if they mistake you for the wrong person? What if they don't like you for your political opinions or the challenge that you represent to authority, as John McAfee does so brilliantly? Next story: AlJazeera.com. Ten percent of world's population may have had. COVID-19, WHO says. And this is, we had a bit of a Corona block update for you today, but this one is uh, the fear-mongering. Got to deconstruct so much of this fear-mongering. And, um, all right, we've got CJ. CJ is asking, what links are you on? The very, the very, uh, the fourth one is aljazeera.com. AlJazeera.com, 10% of world's population may have had COVID-19, WHO says. The UN Health Agency's Agency says, majority of the world remains at risk, calls for collective action against the pandemic. The World Health Organization has said hundreds of millions of people may have already been infected with the new coronavirus, far more than the current tally of more than 35 million. Uh-oh, we have, we have issues here. You're on the wrong links. I'm on the wrong links. I am? Did I, did I just totally send all the wrong links? Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Give me, uh, give me, give me just a minute. Oh, now, uh, CJ, I'm going to send you the new block. Uh, apparently what I sent you was yesterday's links. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. It didn't update them. Give me those. Yep. All right. Cool. Uh, use current pages. Firefox issue, everybody. Should just take a second. But now, CJ gets the fun job of what I normally do of taking apart this long block of links. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see how long it takes him to catch up. But you know, not that critical to get stuff for this next block because we are just going to be covering uh, a bunch of bunch of Corona bullshit. Um, and why are the dogs barking right now? I guess. Hey, Marilyn. Mar- so, 
My puppy is trying to protect us here in the studio. Marilyn, no, stop it. What are you doing out there? All right. See, there we go. There the new. Bring Jim on. Oh, yeah, what do we have for comments? Empty matter. A virus so deadly, you need a test to tell that you're sick. Ah, yeah. Well, we have all these asymptomatic cases, you know. Uh, all right, so back to the news, back to the Chrome. I don't know if these are my neighbor's dogs coming to invade or if this is my puppy trying to protect the studio from the kittens. She will find her way up to the roof of the lanai where she gets stuck. Let's see. Bring Jim on. Give me a minute. Uh, yeah, so if anybody in the producer's club wants to, to organize those that, that big pile of links I just sent to make it a little easier for CJ in a bit here. All right. The World Health Organization has said hundreds – who's – all right, wait, hold on. More comments here. I got it. Okay. <clears throat> CJ's got it. <clears throat> The World Health Organization has said hundreds of millions of people may have already been infected with the new coronavirus, far more than the current tally of more than 35 million. Mike Ryan, WHO's emergency operations chief, told the Global Health Agency's executive board on Monday, quote, our current best estimates tell us that about 10% of the global population may have been infected by this virus. This varies depending on the country. It varies from urban to rural. It varies between different groups. But what it does mean is that the vast majority of the world remains at risk. No matter what they say about this virus, no matter what new statistic comes out, they find a way to scare people with this, right? Like, hey, well, if 90% of the world hasn't gotten it, then you're all at risk. Well, the thing is, with, with at least with this virus, we know that it's actually relatively contagious. I mean, in the scale of viruses, it's actually not that, but, you know, more than some. And, uh, but we got another story about it going airborne or not. Who knows? Science is still confused. Got to trust the science. But if you've not been infected, then you're at risk. The thing is, and we're seeing this more and more, that people can get infected without any symptoms at all. And if you just go and test a ton of people, you're going to get Way more cases, and that's going to distort things. And then with the Trump, I've got, to, I've got to talk about Trump's uh, COVID diagnosis today because there has been some news on that, of course. And they're talking, you know, he's saying that he's back at the White House and uh, super quick recovery and, you know, might be immune now. Okay, now CJ is messaging again. Never mind. I, I don't got it. What Do you need something from me, CJ? Is everything okay? Yeah, no, you, um, you 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 jacked up today royally. See, this is why we send links before shows so we don't prep, uh, we don't have this stuff happening. And that's why I said, what day do you think it is? Because you sent me yesterday's links. links. But no, no, so I just, sometimes when I click in Firefox, use current tabs, it doesn't take. And so when I copied them out, I just copied all the old links and prepped the old links and sent you those. Yeah, so now it's going to take me about the same amount of time it normally takes me to get the new links ready, and you just rammed right into a new... Uh, yeah, it's fine. We don't, we don't need them for the Corona block. You just let me know when you're ready with the, with the note in there. Yeah, no, that, it, it's going to take a minute, but... Uh, okay, so. no problem. I'll get through the Corona stuff without you. Okay, so now the, so the, there's this great potential now when they say that, you know, 10% of the world... 
may have had COVID. They're extrapolating a lot, but if you want to play this game, um, it, it could actually be, uh, you know, yeah, a lot more who, who have it, who've been exposed, who have antibodies, whatever, who, uh, you know, have, have no symptoms but could still pass it on. Um, all right, so next here, um, why is this not pulled up? Uh, okay, so in the bigger debate about the lockdowns, we are finally starting to see some decisive data on their effectiveness. Our next story is from nationalreview.com. Stats hold a surprise. Lockdowns may have had little effect on COVID-19 spread. Yeah. Data suggests mandatory lockdowns exacted a great cost with a questionable effect on transmission. In 1932, Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandis famously called the states laboratories of democracy. Different states can test out different policies, and they can learn from each other. That proved true in 2020. Governors in different states responded to the COVID-19 pandemic at different times and in different ways. Some states, such as California, ordered sweeping shutdowns. Others, such as Florida, took a more targeted approach. Still others, such as South Dakota, dispensed information but had no lockdowns at all. As a result, we can now compare outcomes in different states to test the question no one wants to ask, did the lockdowns make a difference? Well, yeah, uh, a lot of us want to ask. We say no one wants to ask. I think they mean politicians, policymakers, and people responsible and profiteering from the coronaphobia or coronavirus crisis. No, the rest of us want to know did you lock us down for your own benefit, or was there some actual thing to gain in terms of how we dealt with the virus itself? And it turns out, well, here we go. <clears throat> if lockdowns really altered the course of this pandemic, then coronavirus case counts should have clearly dropped whenever and wherever lockdowns took place. The effect should have been obvious, though, with a time lag. It takes time for new coronavirus infections to be officially counted. So we would expect the numbers to plummet as soon as the waiting time was over. How long? New infections should drop on day one and be noticed about 10 or 11 days from the beginning of the lockdown. By day six, the number of people with first symptoms of infection should plummet. Six days is the average time for symptoms to appear. By day 9 or 10, far fewer people would be heading to doctors with worsening symptoms. If COVID-19 tests were performed right away, we would expect the positives to drop clearly on day 10 or 11, assuming quick turnarounds on tests. Now, I, I am grateful for the people who have had to crunch these numbers and tease out so many conflating factors that would distort the conclusions because you don't have quick turnarounds on tests that you can assume or rely on at all because the government is controlling the tests. And yet, yet instead of, insta I mean, we've had this technology for months that we could test corona as I did here on Facebook Live in Gardenia in March, where it was just a little prick test, prick your finger, a little tiny, tiny droplet of blood on a little test strip. and 
little saline solution goes across and I was negative for the virus and for the antibodies. But still, for all the work now, now that they have been able to tease out all of these statistics, to judge from the evidence, the answer is clear. Mandated lockdowns had little effect on the spread of the coronavirus. The charts below show the daily case curves for the United States as a whole and for 13 U.S. states. As in almost every country, we consistently see a steep climb as the virus spreads, followed by a transition marked by the gray circles to a flatter curve. At some point, the curves always slope downward, though this wasn't obvious for all states until the summer. And this is, this has got to be, I mean, you, you can look into these, uh, these graphs and, and, you know, do, do the actual visual examination for yourself and go, wow. Yeah, they're right. The lockdowns didn't work. And the silver lining that I hope comes out of this whole coronavirus crisis is that people learn to not trust government. Now, in some places, you know, they'll never get over it. Like Mark Twain, it's easier to fool someone than convince someone that they've been fooled. And in Israel, Netanyahu actually came out, we covered the story yesterday, and said, well, since the lockdowns didn't work, we're going to have to lock down harder. And you go, How, what? Like, if it doesn't work, we're going to do more of it? And there's some people who go, like, why does he even have the the to, to say something like that because he knows that a certain number of people will go along with it. So one more thing from the story, lockdown's not the cause. Lockdowns can't be the cause of these transitions in the first place. The transition happened even in places without lockdown orders, see Iowa and Arkansas. And where there were lockdowns, the transitions tended to occur well before the lockdowns could have had any serious effect. The only possible exception are California, which on March 19 became the first state to officially lock down in Connecticut, which followed four days later. Even in these places, however, the downward transitions probably started before the lockdowns could have altered the curves. The reason is that a one-day turnaround for COVID-19 test results probably wasn't met in either state. The LA Times reported March 30 the turnaround time to be eight days. Yeah, that would make the delay from infection to confirmation at the 10 we assumed were more like 17 days. Six for symptoms to appear, three for them to develop, and eight for test processing. In early April, the Hartford Current reported similar problems with delayed tests, test results in Connecticut. Now, part of the problem with a lie and, and having to dispel a lie. It's really easy to tell a lie. You know, another Mark Twain quote I love, a, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is just putting on its shoes. Actually, that's my second favorite quote. I suppose my favorite would be Abraham Lincoln. He said, don't believe everything you read on the Internet, especially when it's about the coronavirus. And right now we're seeing finally the, 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 the nerds coming in, right, because it's, it's cool people. Who are lying and, and you know, hey, come on, making it look cool. Like, hey, we got bam, 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 bam. Here's here's the lie. Go along, get along, be afraid now. Don't be afraid because I'm going to protect you. And then you know, a nerd has to come out and explain. Well, no, I'm sorry. Actually, according to the numbers, that's not correct. And this guy's a fraud, and he's trying to take advantage of you. And you know, we might be at this point where maybe it's not herd immunity, but you know, a critical mass of it 
where they say, well, 10% of the world population might have been infected, so 90% is at risk. That's not what that means. There's a, there's a lot more to it than that. And it might be that once 10% have it and it kind of peters out, that the, the vulnerable uh, have recovered, that it becomes just another minor virus floating around the great global human petri dish. But it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of fucked up that we live in a world where when authorities say something, and they say so many things, and they tell so many lies, that rather than deconstructing every single one of them, it's easier to say, well, it's government, they're probably lying. We, we have to actively seek alternative authorities to know the truth. And you could go and deconstruct every single lie that government is telling, and you would never catch up. It's like trying to read every book ever, ever, ever written by, by humans. More books are being produced every day than you could possibly read. More government lies are coming out every day than you could possibly deconstruct and explain. And so as a libertarian, you know, I mean, I often get accused, well, Adam, you just assume the government is always lying. Yes. And that is a rational position that I have come to from experience and careful examination of our current reality, in which case we live better and understand the world better, understanding and acknowledging and admitting that most of the time government is telling you something that someone is going to profit from, they are lying about something. And the Karina outbreak, certainly no exception. couple more headlines here with Corona. CDC reverses again. Now says COVID-19 is sometimes airborne. This is NBCNews.com. Man, this is so fucking discrediting. I I just, I don't even, like, yeah, we're going to read a little bit of this. But the CDC came out, remember, at the beginning and said, oh, yeah, COVID is airborne. you got to be really careful. That's why we got to wear masks. And then, oh, no, it's not airborne. It's only in droplets. And scientifically, my understanding of these terms, there is an important difference. Airborne means that the virus is an independent sort of particulate piece of matter, can float and be airborne. When you sneeze a cloud, it actually goes out like a cloud. Like, like dust and will, will at least float sort of in the same nature as dust. Droplets means that you sneeze and small clumps of all the shit that's in your sneeze, including the virus, can, can be out there and be kind of aerosolized and, and can float in the air for a minute, but they fall pretty quickly to the ground. And it makes a big difference in how contagious the virus is or how easy it is to spread. And it makes a big difference when you're talking about justifying forcing protection measures on people. The story goes, uh, the agency once again says that the coronavirus can be airborne, but that is not the main method of transmission. Masks do, uh, For the third time in less than a month, the CDC has altered its guidance on how COVID-19 spreads. The agency said Monday that airborne transmission is possible, that it's not the most common way the virus travels from person to person. Uh, 
uh, position that was published and then removed from its website in September. The CDC updated its page on the spread of the virus Monday to say that some infections can be spread by exposure to virus in small droplets and particles that can linger in the air for minutes to hours. Hey, CDC, you know how we give you millions and millions and millions of taxpayer dollars that have been stolen from us through government and you can't figure this shit out? I'm starting to think you don't have our best interests at heart. Shocking, right? No, the confusion is deliberate. But anybody who's paying attention to any uh, any kind of longer timeline goes, these people have no credibility. I mean, even if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that there's no nefarious intent, that they're, they're not overblowing the threat of this virus for the sake of its profiteers, that they're, they're not deliberately causing confusion in, in order to promote obedience, uh, even if it's all just honest mistakes. How did we collect all of the most incompetent people together under one agency in, in order to come up with this kind of record? Absolutely insane. The next one. From Axios.com, study finds neurological symptoms in most COVID-19 patients, or most COVID patients. So another fear-mongering thing. Let's see if there's if there's something to this, because there's so many articles we've covered. Well, COVID has this, COVID has this, has all, all these side effects. Most patients hospitalized with COVID-19 experience neurological symptoms, including muscle pain, headaches, and encephalopathy, according to a study published Monday in the Annals of Clinical and translational neurology, why it matters. It's the largest American study to date on how the virus affects the nervous system long-term and how it could pose new cognitive challenges for survivors, the state of play. The study looked at the record of 509 coronavirus patients hospitalized from March 5 to April 6 at 10 hospitals in Northwest Medicine Health System in the Chicago area. About 80% of the patients showed symptoms such as muscle pain, headaches, confusion, dizziness, and the loss of smell or taste. About one-third of patients had encephalopathy or altered mental function and stayed in the hospital about three times longer than patients without. These patients were also nearly seven times as likely to die. Now, until we see, so this is, this is admittedly in the study itself, a very preliminary look. And if you look at all the preliminary stuff you could possibly look at about corona, the, the, the main thing you'd go is, well, most people who get it don't suffer for shit. It's asymptomatic. Oh. But then <clears throat> you cherry pick the people who are having these, these freak responses, and it's very easy to scare people. It's very easy to use big terms like, gluteal myalgia, which simply means butthurt, and say, well, COVID might cause gluteal myalgia, especially around, among the Karen population. But what they're doing with this, <clears throat> and it might be real. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I, I don't in any way mean to discount the science in this, but rather the irresponsibility of the journalism cherry-picking something like this. Because of all, we've got to remember the CDC numbers from a few weeks ago when they said that only 6% of corona deaths recorded officially by the numbers were from exclusively corona 
uh, and that the other 94% had comorbidities that had other conditions. And, you know, I don't, I don't mean to sound cruel or heartless, certainly, uh, but to, to put the virus deaths in perspective, if, if you're an elderly person who's obese and diabetes and, uh, you know, emphysema and lung cancer, uh, if you trip over the steps at the uh, you know, old folks' home and, and fall and break your hip, you might die from a broken hip because of the other trauma that causes to all of these other conditions that make your health very delicate. So when they take what when they when they, they look at and they remember this study that I just read was people hospitalized with corona. Not among a general sample, a random sample of people who tested positive for corona. Because in that case, I would wager you would probably find the average number of people having an altered mental state. But when you're looking at hospitalized patients, you're going to be able to bring in all of these other numbers and say, well, a coronavirus, coronavirus patients who were hospitalized, you know, 86.593456% of all of them had altered mental states. And, you know, they say altered mental state. Well, yeah, if you're in the hospital with corona in scary, fucked up times, you might be depressed, stressed, anxious, and that technically under medical standards constitutes an altered mental state. And I'm not just cherry-picking the story. The next link, dnyuz.com, also has this. Nearly one-third of COVID patients in study had altered mental state. Ranging from, now see, this is, you, you want to know how pathetic this is? Uh, how misleading this is? The first sentence here is a complete giveaway. Nearly one-third of hospitalized COVID-19 patients experienced some type of altered mental function, ranging from confusion to delirium to unresponsiveness. Confusion? Well, no shit. I'm confused right now. I don't even have corona, and I'm suffering from corona-related confusion because I'm being lied to so goddamn much through the mainstream media by the government. Only one-third, so the other two-thirds weren't confused at all and understood just how badly they were being taken advantage of. Hopefully that's true about the general population as well, but uh, that might be unrealistically optimistic. So uh, one more story about uh, about corona real quick um, before we get uh, to check in with our audience and our guests from Euronews.com. Israelis defy lockdown law to protest against Netanyahu. And they've got some pictures here of some brutal arrests. And we don't need to get into this story, but we will be coming back to this because where there seems to be uh, harsher crackdowns or, or lockdowns and shutdowns, the culture of the population is going to determine how they respond in, in protests and resistance. And in the United States, I've I, anybody who's listened to me for any ex extended period of time, you know that I have a kind of fantasy about a black swan moment or hitting some critical mass tipping point here in the United States, and that it might come as, a, as part of the backlash to the coronavirus crisis. 
But honestly, that's a little nationalistic of me, isn't it? A little, uh, little Amerocentric. And as citizens of the empire, I mean, it could be that we hit the tipping point here first. And we have some libertarian localization kind of revolution, paradigm shift, or meaningful change in political reality. But if I step back, it seems just as likely, or perhaps 192 times more likely, however many countries we're currently at with our count, although it should be a lot more counting micronations, uh, however many more times likely it is to happen somewhere else. And for being the notorious police state that it is, I'm very excited to see that they are defying lockdown orders even in Israel, to protest. All right, that's our Corona block. We've still got a ton of news stories. Uh, we'll see how many we can get to after we talk to Christina, but this is an important update we're going to get to in just a minute here, Christina. Thank you so much for standing by. We do have to check in with our audience at least for a minute or two with Jim. We have any other guesses or critical comments. Jim, let's get Jim up on stage here for just a sec. Why Yo, am I drinking? I have I, I have know. a mug. I have a mug. I can look professional and dignified now, like anybody else can, if you go to the store at versusman.com. Jim, how's it going? It's going awesome, man. How's it going with you? This is fun. I've got, I've got a big news pile today. I, I wish I hadn't screwed up the links. We could have gone through a little bit faster, but uh, yeah, there's there's just there's a lot of shit happening in the world today. Believe it or not, I mean it's a uh, I mean, this is an interesting challenge in a, in a world of billions of people we have to sit here and pretend like we know what's happening it's fun isn't it it's uh some it's more fun sometimes than others i'll say that <laughs> all right any good uh, comments any any other guesses on uh, what you would call the gardenian uh, currency well i haven't heard any other guesses there's been a little bit of a discussion going on and uh, i think most people are excited to hear from Miss Justice and get updated what they can going on. Miss Justice. Miss Justice. My apologies. Yeah, I'm not very good with noting the difference between them, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Mrs. Justice, my apologies. All right. So well, we let's... should definitely get to our guests, I think. All right. Unless, unless we show Chris Cole's Super Ooh. Chat for $2, would audience like a family law segment on Absolutely. Well, that's why we've had Chris on a couple of times. And, Chris, we're happy to have you on every time you have a meaningful update for uh, victims of family law. You guys need a website. It's time. Graduate. It's not hard, Chris. I'll walk you through it, or at least push you through it, uh, if, if, if you need the help. But, uh, yeah, start at Namecheap.com, fully inclusive, hosting, out-of-the-box websites, real cool stuff, ready to go. Uh, Lisa Smith. Justice. Hashtag free blind justice. I love it. All right. So uh, let's uh, let's get Christine on here. Ladies and gentlemen, join us today. <laughs> Mrs. Blind Justice, Christine hey. coming to us from uh, – are, are you still in South Carolina? Or North Carolina. North Carolina. Uh, it's a good thing we've got two of them because, you know, if we lose one, we've got a backup. I, I <laughs> Uh, but yeah, right. so coming to us from North Carolina, where there is a—I I mean, I—I I, I actually I think I, I must have subconsciously assumed 
given your recent experiences, that you are a little deeper in the south. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Christina's husband is, uh, is Mike Nelson, Blind Justice, and he does it well together. Obviously, they're they're uh, an incredible activism team where uh, Christina, uh, you know, supports her husband being out front usually as the blind combat veteran. Thanks. For some reason, talking to statists, they're much less likely to tell you to, to, to piss off when you can say, uh, no, I'm a blind combat veteran. Right. You would you would think. <laughs> Not so much around here. Recent events accepted, perhaps, but by right. and large, together you guys do an amazing job. You do a great job supporting Mike. What he does too, going out as a blind man, doing First Amendment audits is amazing, and and to see uh, the the both successful and unsuccessful First Amendment audits he has performed. Uh, I got to say, youtube.com slash blind justice. Check out the channel. A lot of great, but you, you'll get, you will, you can go down a very entertaining rabbit hole with, uh, with the justices channel there. Yeah. And just quick explanation for those who don't know, uh, first amendment audit is you just walk into someone where you're not sure, or you walk into somewhere, some government building or area where you legally have the right to film, but you're not sure that that right is going to be respected. And you audit the authorities' respect for the First Amendment. That's only a, a small part, really, of, of what uh, what Blind Justice is about. But you've had incredible success with this recently, and have have made a lot of news and gotten a lot of attention in, in, a, in a out of a negative experience, but in I think a, a very positive, in, enlightening way with your recent story. So, um, Christina and 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 Mike are. are not just colleagues as, as fellow activists, but personal friends of mine who have helped out here with some of the construction directly in Gardenia, and it's been great to have them and their kids here. But, Christine, is, is there anything else that, that I missed by way of introduction, or you want to just jump into this recent story and, and um, no. one of the Carolinas? Right. Well, no, one. just one little piece of, which is kind of a lot of the focus, while there is a First Amendment um, aspect, of course, a lot of the things he's checking up on when he goes places is ADA compliance. And by that, I mean the Americans with Disabilities Act. Yes. And it's, it is shocking how often we come across um, issues in government buildings. Like these government entities sign paperwork that says, yes, we are in compliance in order to receive federal funds. And then they're not. <laughs> Wait, um, so, government agents lie? I know, I know this is shocking to you, Adam, but um, yes, they do. <laughs> and it and it may be a lie of like just they just forget or, or they don't know. I think a lot of it is truly a lack of training and understanding of what the ADA is. Um, so there there may be some measure of innocence there, but um, sure. if you're signing your name on something, find out what it is. Well, I'd, I'd like to think that for a lot of these bureaucrats, and oh, CJ just put up on stage, uh, December 12, 2019, Mike, oh, uh, mm -hmm. all right, now he's just playing stuff. Well, I won't try to read that. Okay. No. But I, I think for a lot of these bureaucrats, it's kind of pro forma, just, oh, yeah, of course, you sign, like, and I, even in the Marines, yeah. and I'm sure with Mike in the Army and, and with you dealing with the VA, it's like, I know this paperwork is a lie, but I'm going to sign it because that's how things work around here. And in some cases, there's no problem with it. It's you're you're literally correcting a glitch in the system. In other cases, 
you're unwittingly committing fraud and in some cases knowingly committing mm-hmm. fraud. But what's so offensive about that, and I'm really glad you point this out, Christina, is that this is coming from the government that shuts down private businesses for mm-hmm. failure to comply with the ADA. Yep. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of stupid shit in the ADA, right? I mean, like, ramps have to be exactly six inches, and if they're not, then you get shut down or, you know, handrails here and there. But the general spirit of access of a standard that yeah. government is imposing on others, they really should at least respect themselves. Well, and that's really what it is. Isn't it? We're not – we don't – typically call for private businesses to adhere to the ADA. Like we may mention an accessibility issue like while we're there, but it's not with the intention of getting them in trouble with government at all. Um, We highlight the issues with government. Really, it shows that the government's broken. Like, (laughs) it's like, look, this is their own. These are their own rules. And they're not, they're not even following their own rules. Like, but they're enforcing them on everybody else. So Yeah. yeah, I'm, all right, so to this recent story in uh, in the deep south of North Carolina, yeah. I believe it was Constitution We're Day. actually in the northern part of North Carolina, but okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, Constitution Day. Take it away. Well, no, what, you'll tell. So my, my, I got to watch part of this live, actually. Uh, I was I was sitting here with, uh, with our, our friend Peter Yabel on uh, – on the roof of, of the camp kitchen. Nice. And uh, we did get to watch uh, a good chunk of this live, but I, I missed the beginning. But uh, my understanding was that Mike was at a demonstration with you and he had a sign that said on, on one side, uh, happy constitution day and on the other side, fuck the police. Is that, was that it? There's only eight letters. It was fuck cops. Fuck cops. And, good, and good, good, there was, yeah, there was no demonstration. It was literally just me and him. We went for a walk, and he carried the sign. Now, this fuck cop sign comes from months and months of trying to play by the rules and go and redress the government through the, the system and go into the the city. So we had issue you know, when the cops came and kidnapped Mike out of the car as the passenger in the vehicle, and nothing was done. Okay, so so far as we know, those cops have not been reprimanded. They're still working as police officers um, that we've tried to meet with the chief of police multiple times. We've reached out to the city, the town alderman. We've reached out to the town mayor. None of them will return our calls. None of them will talk to us, with the exception of one alderman. Let me be fair. One of them did a little bit, Um, but they're not doing anything. We've went to the um, county commissioners. Um, we took it up to the state level. We tried to reach out to the governor. We've reached out to the General Assembly. We've reached out to the Judicial Board um, Review Committee. And we're getting nowhere. And so we come back around full circle and we're like, okay, let's raise awareness here. Let's get the people here, make sure they know, you know, what's going on. This is corrupt. This is broken. And their mayor in this town decided that he would write a proclamation to declare this week Constitution Week which is a slap in the face to all these businesses who have been shut down around town because of this ridiculous draconian measures that have taken place due to COVID-19 and all these shutdowns. So now they're going to be like, yay, Constitution. And we're like, okay. In the order, in the proclamation, it said the mayor requested that the people 
step up and defend and exercise and even defend the constitutional rights, right? Their rights as outlined in the Constitution, because rights that are lost may not be regained. Mm. And I'm like, okay, is that a threat? Because it's accurate, because we see this when cops demand ID for nothing and then say it's suspicious when you don't provide it. It's like, no, that's not suspicious. That's just being a human and having rights. Protecting your own privacy. <laughs> right, exactly. But when, when that becomes suspicious, it's clearly there's a problem, right? Yep. And so we walked around with this one sign, and it was just the two of us. I had the camera, and he had the sign. And we were chatting with people live and trying to, you know, tell people what was going on. And this nonsense, I, I guess you can see this, starts happening. Yep. Like, there it is. I've never in my life been in this kind of situation. This guy is currently doing, like, a basketball thing. He's, like, yelling, you know, I can't touch you, but we can touch your sign. Let's take a sign and, like, call him for people to help him. Yeah. It was – and then all these guys going by, they call it rolling coal. Like, clearly these trucks behind him are there to intentionally harass us, right? Like, the guy in the – he came from the red truck, which he parked illegally in the intersection. Uh. And then this guy, we call this guy in the gray shirt quiver lip. <laughs> I don't know his name. Well, Christina, Christina, before we get into some of those details, I, I want to ask a, a bigger question about yeah. uh, the kind of people that confronted you in this kind of provocative activism. Because, I, I mean, to me, it's, I mean, don't they print T-shirts that say fuck cops? Like, how is it that big a deal to have it on a sign? You know, like, what are they going to do? I know. I, I didn't, I, I wouldn't have imagined that the sign itself would have provoked such a strong reaction. I'm sure you were surprised by the intensity yeah. of that. I mean, you just wanted to go around and have conversations, and that makes sense. Yeah. People, people would have angry responses and say, fuck your sign, and then maybe you can talk to them, right? Or they would say, hey, thumbs up, let's chat, you know, or mm-hmm. what do you mean there? You know, and you can, you can, um, you had plenty of those interactions too, right? Well, initially we had a lot of thumbs up. During, like, the first hour, we got some waves, we got some thumbs up. You know, people were pleased to see that someone was – basically that they weren't alone, right? I think that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, especially and, right now. Yeah, and because a lot of people are hunkering down and hiding instead of stepping forward and taking a stand. And I don't blame them. <laughs> I don't blame them. I, I feel that. Um, we had a couple people get out of the car. One of them came over to talk to us, which is great. Like, yes, let's talk, but it was a talk at us. And it was, you know, blah, 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 and God's going to change your sign. And I'm like, okay. like, But it was all about the word. Like, it was just the F-bomb, right? That was the huge focus. Like, I don't want my kids seeing that. I'm like, then just keep driving. Like, I don't, I just don't understand. Like, okay, then go. Um, And then we had another guy get out and yell at us. So we had one interaction that day. This guy right here, yeah, you found him. His sign says, fuck this guy, which I'm like, uh, yes, hold your sign, that, man. That's awesome. See, like, that's what yeah. you want, right, is the yeah. participation, enhancement of the conversation. If you yeah. really feel, yeah, fuck this guy. But then yeah. I'm sure he learned the backstory on Mike. And, yeah, and they, they talked for a while, and it was really cool because even though the chat couldn't necessarily hear it very well because of the wind and the trucks, um, at some point this guy starts folding up his sign and just kind of puts it away and keeps talking for a minute. Like, it was cool. Like, it was a really good conversation. Like, you know, there's cognitive dissonance, and there's only so much that they can 
that he could hear at the moment, you know, because you're going against like years and years of indoctrination and hero worship and all this stuff. So it was a good conversation. Yeah, no, especially from, separate from the bigger issues and the news coverage and everybody who you're you're generally reaching with, you know, a positive pro-freedom, you know, encouraging, empowering message with this whole story. It's really about those guys. Yes. That, that was a life-changing experience for that dude. Yeah, if you let it be. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it couldn't be. I mean, yeah. when you when you you get so angry that you have to make a sign to counter protest a single dude protesting with a sign by himself, and then by the end of the conversation, never mind. I think my sign was wrong. <laughs> that, you, there's, okay. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, there's, there's no way that doesn't get into somebody's consciousness pretty deep. I hope but, so. But the bigger question I want to ask you, Christine, in terms of the response here, uh, is, is about the people who really uh, ended up being a lot more aggressive. And, and, and I do, of course, next want to hear the story of how this all unfolded because it does it does get worse. But yeah. of, of the people who approached you uh, with, with the extreme hostility, we saw, you know, the guy who took the sign. Uh, people burning out their tires, yelling, honking, general harassment, uh, intimidation and threats, things like that. It, it seems to me that there would be two categories of people who might do that. And one is the genuinely mentally disturbed. And that's, mm -hmm. the, that's why I'm, I'm saying, like, it seems, it seems a bit surprising that a sign that really – I mean, the other side was Happy Constitution Day, right? Yeah. Um, but, but when you see that one side, all you see is fuck cops. You see a guy walking around the sign that says fuck cops. You don't have to be insane to have a negative response to that, yeah. but to allow your negative response to lead you to stop your car, get out of the car, and yell crazy shit, we're not talking about well-adjusted human beings. So there's that, there's that category, or, or, I should say, and or, you're going to have cops off-duty. And even when cops are off-duty, they enjoy a large degree of legal immunity where they can go and, and commit crimes and know they're going to get away with it. I mean, if uh, one cop shows up to the scene of a crime and turns out the criminal is a fellow cop and doing something that can be covered up, eh, they're probably going to cover it up, right? So uh, what, what do you think of that from these extreme reactions? How many of them were people who were really totally deranged versus maybe some who were actually police off duty or uh, more intentional in their harassment that in that sense. So, okay. So more of a thought out harassment as opposed to a knee jerk, emotional, unstable response. Um, right. I, that's really hard to gauge, but there, so there's some that were clearly just in just unstable. Like you could tell that they're just not all there, but they're just mad and they're, they they have an addiction to this sort of drama, I guess. So, um, you know, acting out of that. But when, you know, when they call their friends and chase us around town, like literally following us everywhere we went for like an hour, hour and a half, one of them went so far as to he was on Facebook Live for three and a half hours following us around. Three and a half wow. hours. We, we have his name. We told the police because this is clear harassment, stalking, all of it. Like this is. I mean, it's a no-brainer, and as far as I know, they've done nothing. Like, we released a, a video just the other day. It's like introducing Worf as the thumbnail, 
He's one of the police that were there because they were there. And they were just looking at all of this stuff happening. People, I mean, this is this is as far as like, you know, they claim to enforce laws, right? Well, laws are being broken all around them and they're doing nothing. But they were going to follow us home. And so at one point they started to follow us home, right? And then they had a, literally a herd of people behind them. There was a parade of like 15 trucks and cars following the police car home. And we're like, we don't want that. We want you to You know, if you want to do something, if you're claiming to do something, then send the, you know, tell them not to do criminal activity (laughs) and they wouldn't do it. So I think there was a lot of friends there that so whether or not they were actually cops, off duty cops, um, I do think there were a lot of people there that were friends with the cops. And these were, you know, they were there supporting them. At one point, the police chief walked over to the crowd across the street from the video where they took it, the, they um, attacked Mike and took a sign over at City Hall. There was a big crowd over there. The police chief walked over there shortly after that attack and thanked the crowd. He told them, thank you for your support. We appreciate it. I'm like, no, 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 no. The response is, hey. You're under arrest. Even just what you're doing is criminal, like harassment, stalking, the way you're driving. These things are things we could arrest you and cite you for. Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. And there was none of that. So whether they were cops or not, I don't know. But the cops appreciated them. Sounds like bootlickers have a lot of time on their hands. I don't know, man. I mean, I, and I, I mean, I say that in a somewhat facetious, condescending way, but seriously, wh- who has the who not only has the motivation. But the opportunity, the time to just follow someone around because they have a sign that says "fuck cops." Well, it wasn't a Sunday, so. Well, like you have nothing better to do. What what kind of loser is is going to put their time into this of following you around? They were having a good old time. They were having a blast. I mean, like you would thought it was a party. Harassing the hippies, huh? (laughs) I guess. Let's run them hippies out of town. That was the goal. I mean, it truly was a lynch mob. Like, clearly they didn't hang. They were, you know, he didn't hang Mike. That's how, how it's supposed to end. But it is a lynch mob when they're following you around with the intention of harassment and, you know, the goal of bodily harm. We've gotten all kinds of threats. Well, like, until – so just for the chronology of your story, are, are we missing any key elements before we get to the point of the police escorting you? Um, that day? I'm not – I don't think so. I mean, so, like we walked, we walked back to the police station um, because they were trying, we were trying, they asked if they could help us. So to be clear, we never called the police. The police approached us and asked, right. can we help you? And so we're like, okay, we'll give you the opportunity to do what you claim you do. So this is what happened. And we told them about the guy that attacked them, which we found out is actually felony larceny if the item is taken off of the person. It's a felony. Now, if it's under a thousand dollars, it's not a felony typically, unless it's taken directly off the person here in North Carolina. So that would be felony larceny. Um, so we tried to report that rather than just taking the report because they know who we are. They've been to our house. Okay, literally the guy who was taking the report, Wharf, has been to our house before. Um, Is he still Andrew Wharf? No, no. No, no, does not seem to have that much honor either. 
Um, he, he lied quite a few times in interacting with us and surprise, um, saying that he didn't know who Mike was and he needed his name. I was like, dude, you know my name. Like, I don't want to give you my name and address right here. We're surrounded by people who are trying to, you know, clearly not friendly. Like, um, can you already have that? Just take the report. And he just, he was just stuck on it. And finally, the chief of police was like, yeah, we have it. Will you walk back to the station and just confirm it? Well, will you come to the station? And we said we would. So that's where we went. We went over to the police station to confirm um, what they had was accurate. And then that was a whole debacle, whatever. Finally, that was done, and we left after trying to file this report, which later were f- the next, I think it was the next day, like a day after they were filed. He was like, oh, well, we're closing them. We uh, found insufficient evidence to do anything. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? So. so then this ended with them escorting you home with a 15-vehicle caravan behind them? So it ended. We So we left the police station. Um, we started walking toward the house, and we got, like, maybe a block. And I, we just looked at, you know, I looked over at Mike, and I'm just like, this is this is stupid. Like, and I gestured to the cops. I'm like, do you see what's following you? Like, look behind you. Do you hear what they're yelling at us? Of course not. Your windows are closed. And so they got out all irritated that we were making them block traffic. And we're like, no, like what? And so it ended with Mike and I splitting up. Um, I walked, I went one way and he went the other because the crowd was more concerned with him than me. And I got to the house, got the car and the kids and we went around and picked them up. Generally. But it took us like an hour and a half to get home. And it's like a, I don't know, half mile, mile walk. It was was nuts. Tell me again what city this is. Madison, the town of Madison, North Carolina. In Rockingham County. Are are there other issues with uh, police abuse there? (sighs) Yes. Um, Generally, when we hear stories, it's I wish to remain anonymous. And, you know, nobody is willing to let their story be, well, very few are willing to tell their story. So I say yes, but I can't back it up at the moment. Does that make sense? Well, I'm sure there are still plenty of statistics that would uh, back up any problems you might be pointing out with this particular police department. Mm-hmm. But why? Why? Why stand there? Why why make this stand to fight there? When why, why have you chosen to live there? And when are you going to come back and be my neighbor again here? <laughs> oh man! So we we picked Madison before this stuff happened. Okay, like. <laughs> We were doing oh, like we didn't know Madison had a police department. <laughs> well, we did, but it was very small <laughs> and it was a small town and 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 really the size of the police department was it was kind of concerning a little bit because there's 18 officers. I think it's 18. Um and there's only 2000 people that live here. Like what? <laughs> okay. So You get a cop. You get a cop. You get a cop. Everybody every gets, family gets a cop. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. 
Um, but no, we picked it because we liked the house. It was what we were looking for. That's how it all started in North Carolina with the Guilford County courthouses was Mike was trying to access the um, foreclosures list and was being blocked at the entry point because of his devices. So we didn't, those weren't audits. Like it wasn't like going in to stand there with the camera and see if anybody notices. Like he was going there to do something like with a purpose, trying to help us with our search because apparently a lot of the foreclosures in North Carolina, I guess, you can only get them, get access to them from the courthouse or so we've been told. So that's what he was trying to do. Um, well, we finally found a house, not a foreclosure because that never happened out here in Madison that fit our criteria and we liked it. So we moved here. And then literally like the weekend that we were here, like right after Mike and I, we all got into the house. Mike and I went out that night and ta-da, <laughs> they ripped him out of the car and kidnapped him. And that was a blind side. I didn't see that coming. We weren't out doing activism. We were out hanging out together. Like, so we, being the people we are, we can't just let that go under the rug. Like, this is not okay. You can't treat people like this. And if you're willing to do that to us, what are you doing to everybody else who's been living here all this time? Like, the people who aren't speaking up. I, yeah. So. How did this lead to Mike's current incarceration and the issue with going into a courthouse and then getting a failure to appear because he was not allowed in because of his, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if he's still wearing this device, but he has a, a, an assisting device that, that translates uh, what visual cues into vibrations against his head. Is that right how it works? Um he has multiple different devices. So there's one actually, one similar to what you're talking about, he wears on his arm. Um, it's called a Sunu band. It's pretty awesome. It's got like a sonar thing that will detect motion or detect what's around him and it buzzes and lets him know what's going on. Um, his phone and different things that are connected to his bone conducting headset that he wears, they talk to him. So it gives him audio of lots of things and the audio on his phone is like incredibly fast because <laughs> it's given him a lot of information in a very short amount of time so mm -hmm. yeah so the connection would be um the bench trial that was set for yesterday morning at 9 a.m was to try him for the bogus charge of resisting an officer from back in february 21st when as a passenger in the vehicle he did not give his identification to people who were not even right, not being suspected of committing a crime. He has no obligation under right. federal law to identify himself. Right. So, you know, and and he had never like he was still asking questions. He never outright refused to give them. He was. Well, why do you want that? Why do you need right. this? Why are you stopping us? Um, and there never even came the point where they said, if you don't provide identification, I am going to arrest you. Like, there was never that if this, then this moment. It was just, okay, we're done. You're under arrest. He's like, what? <laughs> um, I don't even think they said you're under arrest or if they just cuffed him. He's grabbing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that's where this started. Um, the date has been changed a few times. You had him on last time because um, we were concerned that he was going to be put in jail at his last appearance, which actually got um, continued. So that was on the 13th, maybe? No, the 24th of June. I forget. I don't know. I get them all mixed up. But um, that got continued to yesterday. Yesterday he shows up at the court. Um, the 
court has an electronics ban in place, which is unconstitutional anyway. This is, you know, is unconstitutional. Yeah, um, just, if, if I may, a little sidebar, the idea that we have accepted that the majority of courts in the United States operate as secret courts, as in off the record, they're the only ones that are able to have any kind of recording devices in there. That's it's it's absolutely insane that Americans have accepted this as the norm that you can't as long, you know, as, long as you're not interfering, obviously, right. uh, that, that, that courts as the government's dispute resolution services, that they're not open to the basic transparency of, you know, full video recording of all proceedings like yeah, they are secret courts. Now, yes. you might say semi secret. Well, every secret court is only semi secret. They let you see what they want you to see. We have secret courts in America. And that's Absolutely. The norm. Absolutely. It's the norm and the, and the people, the, the populace, a lot of them will fight on behalf of that to keep it that way. They're like, what's the rules? You have to follow the rules. Everybody has to follow the rules. I'm like, what? it's not the rules. <laughs> They're breaking the rules. And, yeah, so um, they have the electronics ban completely busted. Um, in the electronics ban, there is a caveat of medical device. Right. Of course, because they're going to cover their own ass and put that in there to make sure that it looks good on paper, right? Well, um, they don't want to stop people for, you know, having an insulin machine hooked up to them or something. Or hearing aid. Hearing aids, actually, a lot of them, they can connect to iPhones now. They connect, like, they've been – disability, accessibility tools, like, they're advancing because this is 2020, people. Like, it's not the same old stuff that they used to have. You don't have to know Braille anymore if you're blind. You have all these different things available to you, but the government facilities aren't letting people use them, and so they're trying to keep them in the dark ages. Um, so with this electronic ban, they have the medical condition and exemption or exception, rather. Um, they have these policies in place, so we put in the ADA request to try to, you know, play by their little rules. Um, the judge didn't just deny it, but he made it into a judge's order and threatened to hold Mike in criminal contempt if he brought his devices, his accessibility devices, into the courtroom. The large majority of them were issued by the prosthetics department at the VA. Uh, uh, the layers of irony. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Clearly, this is illegal. This is against the Constitution. This is against the Americans with Disabilities Act. This goes against the North Carolina GS 168, 128. I forget. But it, it's illegal is what I'm saying. Like, it's breaking all of their rules here, these multiple different disability laws that are in place. And so Mike refused the refusal or however that works. There was some back and forth. He's like, okay, well, you did this improperly. This is how you broke the law here, 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 here. He lays it out and is clear. Right. And this is a judge. So they should be able to confirm this and look this up. Um, this went back and forth. The judge, I, we have it posted um, on the YouTube page, a link, because since then, um, on the 30th, I believe it was, we emailed all of the members of the General Assembly of North Carolina. Uh, Mike sent them an email to file a remonstrance against this judge, Judge um, Chris Freeman to basically impeach him. They have the power to impeach the judge and outlined why and, you know, all the reasons why and everything and then the supporting documents. So all of that is linked on the YouTube page. I think it's in a Google document um, in the community page. So it's just too much to try to go through. Um, 
But I also was... jump, in, jump into the next critical point here. Yes. He's, he goes up to the security checkpoint at the courthouse. Yes. Okay, so Bob on the 30th, we showed up yesterday morning. Mike, well, he showed up. I didn't go. He goes to the courthouse. He presents himself in good faith to go and stand before the judge. The right. assumption is that the judge is going to follow the law. Um, and he goes That's and presents himself. Hey, 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 I got to stop you. That is a terrible assumption to assume <laughs> that a government official who has no accountability is going to follow the law. Yeah, well, maybe not. not maybe assumption is wrong. So uh, we're acting in good faith that right, the judge right. will, will follow the law. And he gets to the door, and the guards stop him, which we anticipate this, right? Like, they stop him, like, you can't bring this in here. And he's like, well, I can, and this is why. And they're like, no, 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 the judge said. And, you know, then there's the conversation of, do you remember your oath? Did you, you know, did you swear an oath to uphold the Constitution? Or the state constitution. In, in my head, I'm hearing this in Mike's voice. Well, actually, I can, and here's why. I can't even do it. Mike has just such a beautiful demeanor it's, and tone of voice for saying something like that. Well, actually, I can. And here, see, I can't even say it without no, that like sarcasm or like condescending tone no, in my voice. But Mike is just perfect. Just, well, actually, I can, and here's why. Right. It's, I am. I can't. Whatever. Like, he's just super. Yeah. No, I know. He's super chill. He's super polite. He's super zen. It's. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he so he gets there. They say, no, you can't go in. His attorney arrives and the attorney's like, well, I'll go in, stand before the judge. They've already talked about this. He goes before the judge. While the guards are keeping Mike from entering the courthouse, the judge issues a failure to appear warrant, which then the guards go and enforce. So it was, no, 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 you can't come in. Okay, we're going to arrest you for not coming in. And they took him to jail. Now, I'm sure it's by some legal hypothetical within a judge's authority to do something like that. But it's also extremely unusual. Mm -hmm. I currently have several failure to appear warrants with my name on them right now. <laughs> Nobody's bothering me about it. You know, I mean, they're petty things, obviously, and, and and so is this. But why would the judge just go ridiculous? Because he could have issued a failure to appear and said, this is out there and we're going to do as little to enforce this as possible, but this is a check mark on your record that you did not comply and you weren't here on this day and now we're going to deal with your lawyer like that. That's what happens to, to rich white people in, in, in our legal system anyway. Right. Uh, but w why? Like, is is there something else? About, I mean, are they, are they really trying to run you out of the, out of town? Is the judge I in so. on it? I I think they're all complicit because I think the initial stop in February, and I'm speaking from me. I think okay. So, um, in February we still had license a license plate from Washington State, and we had been doing activism in Greensboro because remember, if you remember, Mike had been arrested. Um, in the health department, that's where they gave him a brain bleed and then turned him out like into the streets, I guess, from the jail. Um, he was picked up by the ambulance, not responsive. And he, he has like a five hour memory gap there where they couldn't get him to identify himself, I guess. And so they really, really wanted him to ID. What I think potentially is that the cop who Benfield potentially recognized that these were Washington tags. Um, they confirmed at the police station that they knew of Mike and the work that he does. Mm -hmm. 
and that they were going to show the city boys how you get somebody's name. And they're going to keep backing each other. And so here we are, and they just keep doubling down. Instead of stopping and going, hey, is what we're doing illegal? Oh, maybe we should change. They just double down more and do more. So not only did they arrest him, they set his bond at $50,000 cash bond with a stipulation that he stay home. He's not allowed to leave the house. So if I go and bail him out today, it's $50,000 cash. And once I get him home, he can't, it's, it's unmonitored apparently, but like if we walk to the playground and a cop goes by, they'll come and arrest him. So it seems like you, you, you came to small town Madison, North Carolina with the intent of just living well there. And you recognize shockingly there's a, there happens to be a small town, big police department racket, and they recognized you as a threat pretty mm-hmm. much right away. Yeah. So it would seem, it would it seems like a smarter approach to that would just be leave us alone. Like, it's like when the when the person runs up to the guy with the camera and says, "Don't record me." Like, well, then just leave him alone, and then well, you're not on camera. Yeah, well, they could have been smarter about this, but I think if they left you alone and you stayed there long enough, eventually you would have chipped away at their entire bullshit criminal police racket, mm-hmm. and they, they probably, in some, you know, uh, you know, abstract sense, recognized that and emotionally felt threatened by it these are people threatening our livelihoods because this racket is our livelihood and so they they went after you and uh when you're right that they could have they could have done things a lot more subtly i mean if they were smart they would have done this all covertly and you know like slashed your tires and poisoned your food and shit like that i mean i I don't want to give them any ideas because i got more ideas but yeah so the um the back the blue um, people who also were Trump supporters and like literally they'll just yell, by, they'll, they'll drive by us and yell things still. It's just, they'll yell Trump 2020 or back the blow. And I'm like, how is that relevant? Like I, I'm just walking down the street. Like what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's very strange. I um, think politics has been taken over by cultural manipulation. Oh my goodness. Hmm. Nah. <laughs> But one so, of the guys that came out, they actually slashed his tires and broke uh, his window. Yeah. 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 Not, and then, not surprising at this point. Yeah. They actually, the other day, uh, I think it was Monday, a guy was out uh, with recording, and they boxed him in with their vehicles. The guy goes up in front of them and apparently backed up into them and into the, the victim and then claimed that he rear-ended him. Like it, he's got it all on camera, thankfully. Like he recorded it. But this is this is where I live right now. Hi. <laughs> all right, so Christina, I want to make sure that you have enough time to get people on board with the help that you need right now. Specifically, as I understand it, Mike is locked up on bogus charges and is being harassed, threatened in order to accept some kind of bail deal that would be totally inappropriate and violate his rights. And we have a call flood on in order to get him released and charges dropped. Is that a good summary? Generally, yeah. It's And, and I would request that anyone who calls be respectful um, and, you know, 
we can be the better person, the bigger person, um, and not start cussing people out. You do you, but that's my request. Well, when you're dealing with violent criminals, it's still better to kiss their butt than to piss them off, right? I mean, just <laughs> especially when they have your, head. especially when they have your husband by the balls, right? Like, I mean, he's he's the punching bag right now. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that they're punching him. <laughs> um, last time he. No. Right. Last well, time he was in that jail. By the way, he has experienced far worse than being punched in yeah. police custody from. And you go back, again, just praising his record and his, his activism and encouraging people. Um, if you're not already convinced to make this phone call right now, go back and, and check out the YouTube channel, Blind Justice. Yeah. But sorry, back to the, the immediacy of the call flood, please. Um, yeah, it's it's to release him. It's for his immediate release um, and potentially even removal of this judge. So, I mean... You, if the sheriff's job is to enforce law, and they've been informed that someone is actively and like currently breaking the law, not just state law but also federal law, I would think it would be partially their job to go and intervene, not to enforce those orders that are illegal. Um, so it's calling for them to release him. Um, I, yeah. I'm I'm really struggling with the direction here because I know the system is so broken and the system here is so corrupt that they just keep doubling down. Yeah. So we're we are um looking into the filing of the habeas corpus. Um I need a local lawyer who will be here to do that. Our lawyer apparently has already has plans to go out of town and will not be present to file that. Um so if there is a someone who can actually physically go to the Rockingham County Courthouse to file that to get him out. Um, once that's done, then that would be, you know, calls to encourage that they grant that. Um, uh, but as it currently stands, it's reminding them of their oath. It's um, informing them that this judge has broken multiple laws by using threats, coercion, and intimidation to deprive a qualified individual with a disability of his disability rights. Mm -hmm. Like, and just human rights, people. Like, this is just unacceptable. So it's remember your oath, uphold the oath to protect and defend the Constitution um, and let this guy out. And so we're calling the courthouse. Uh, we've been calling the jail. I'm not sure who else to call um, at that level. So we've um, stepped up to call the attorney general. Um, here is Josh Stein, North Carolina. Um, we have calls into the. Um, what's that? We got numbers scrolling on the screen there for people to call oh, at least to start. Yeah. So encourage everybody, please check that out. Please yeah. make a call today. I'm trying to put updates on the Blind Justice page. Um, we have a summary video. It's still 15 minutes long of the court cases that we're up against here in North Carolina. Um, this morning I put out a little four-minute video to summarize what was happening today. So I'll try to make sure that I have some quick snippet updates um, as the day progresses um, so you guys know what's going on because I know it's a lot if you jump into the channel and try to figure out what's going on there's just a lot there's a lot there I'm not the best at summaries so <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I know in, in, in a bigger sense right now uh, you guys must be torn uh, when when faced with with an enemy and not that it's any individual but the system that empowers individuals to do bad things. And mm -hmm. when it's an 18-person police department, 
in a small town in North Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I have this fantasy of the Nelsons showing up and cleaning house and reforming everything and ending the whole racket and, and, and bringing, taking this dark cloud off from above this community. And, and I, and I hope that it plays out that way. I hope that you find an, an opportunity to pull the thread that unravels the sweater of the whole racket. But I understand there's a countervailing position of, well, maybe we're just banging our head against another wall, and maybe we should just get out of here with uh, with some good PR and having woken some people up and with uh, with with their lives intact. I gotta say, I I know that your 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 kids are uh, very understanding and supportive, and you're both extremely blessed to have that kind of immediate family support. I hope they're not uh, they're not taking this too harshly because I know how proud they are of, of you and their father. Yeah. The little ones uh, are, we haven't told them what really was going on, you know. Um, the big two are doing okay. The, you know, my son, he gets angry, you know. He's the guy. And, oh, thanks, Perth. <laughs> and uh, Lily, she's, they both have really stepped up to help a lot. Like, they agreed. They do a really good job. So they're strong, strong people. Yeah. Well, as, as much as I want you to go and, and clean up this town, if, if you decide that this is an insurmountable fight and, and I have to have you here as a neighbor again, I would not be disappointed in that either. I know. But you, you have my undying support regardless, and uh, particularly in, in a situation like this where your activism leads you to uh, a point of conflict, not of your own making. And we have uh, one of the most committed libertarian activists I know locked up right now. And, and I will say one other thing about Mike for for anybody in my audience who's unaware. Uh, and I'm not saying this as, as, as simply just a way to sneak in a promotion for my book here. But you know that this book is my is my personal manifesto uh, is. And you saw in that video, Mike is wearing the freedom hat. He wears it all the time. <laughs> yeah, this, and this book represents, uh, you know, something more than just a book itself, but the message and brand and everything else. Mike Nelson, I've, I've actually designated as the heir to freedom, as in if anything happens to me, it becomes his brand. And they're, they're, for everything, I, I can't think of a better way, uh, Christina, right now to, to offer testimony to his character and, and his ability and, uh, you know, everything else that I know about him and that, that we all have experienced together. So I, I hope that everybody today who's watching this will at very least take a few minutes, make the phone call. This is one of those times. I don't promote bullshit phone floods. You know, I, I when it has a chance of making a difference, I'm going to ask you to make a phone call. This is one of those times. And uh, Mike Nelson, Christina Nelson, Blind Justice, as his stage name goes, the YouTube channel Blind Justice, they deserve your support so much. But especially right now at one of these critical points for an activist where you're in jail and you need the government that's holding you to know that other people are watching. Yes. Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. Any, any last thoughts or any other things that, that, that people need to know to connect with you to get more information about this or, or to contact you directly if they want to offer assistance? Okay. Um, if you want to email us, you can email us at insightisfree at gmail.com. That's going to be the best way to contact me. We have a phone number that's also listed on the YouTube site. Um, but right now it's just 
a little easier if you email me. <laughs> um, if it's urgent, you can call that number. It's uh, 360-226-6297. Um, but m- otherwise, insight is free at gmail.com is the best way to get in touch. Yep. Great, easy to remember email. Insight is free at gmail.com. The YouTube channel is Blind Justice. Christina, best of luck to Mike. And please, when he gets out, give him a big hug and a kiss from me. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, well, I'm glad we covered that well. Uh, I'm, I think we did justice, the blind justice, in, in telling his current story and making sure that people are motivated to support him. Is there any, any, any other comments, perhaps, from the chat on that? Uh, responses to that interview? I loved seeing those support comments. I think for Christina, that was you could see her smile. That was that was very encouraging. But uh, you know, any other commentary or thoughts on on the interview in general or their situation there? Uh, sourdough. That's sour d o h exclamation mark says she can file rid of habeas corpus. Yeah, she said that's it's it's, it's one of the options uh, that that she is pursuing. Uh, the thing is, with any kind of like in a situation like this, when someone is locked up. Uh, un- unjustly and very blatantly unjustly, there's still a need for immediate action. And I, I trust me, I, I believe that uh, the Nelsons are going to be able to pursue every appropriate legal channel um, and that they may have the resources. To, if they say, hey, we need an attorney to do this, and if if they can't afford it, they'll put out a they, they'll get it. Um, I'm not I'm not worried about that. But the thing is, right now, we have uh, a a blind disabled veteran locked up uh, in an extremely abusive situation, and to call immediate attention to it right now may be critical, not just to his legal situation, but also to his health. So yeah, please make the call. Uh, if there's nothing else, Jim, we're going to take the last few minutes and, and see how many news stories we can skim through here. So uh, no more contest entries. Nobody wants to name the currency for the, the sovereign constitutional monarchy of, uh, of Gardenia. Gardenioins? No. you got to do better than that. But if someone wants – Best answer, if someone can come up about, about naming a currency or a currency concept for our new sovereign nation. And, you know, I mean, part of me wants to say, you know, we're a country, we're a government. Why the fuck should we have a currency? We're not trying to socialize anything here. It would just be like my personal private currency. If, if you're for freedom and free markets... Why would you want a government to have a monopoly or or any involvement in the creation of money? It really is one of the most dangerous and insidious elements of our propaganda conditioning that we assume governments and money go together. But we might have something fun and symbolic. Uh, I think this is this might be one of the the opportunities that would be better to uh, as a way to lampoon the concept of government authority. But we could also issue a legitimate currency that that offers some claim or privilege or backing that has some 
maybe coupon or, or legitimate function of, you know, you know, 10, 10 Gardenia coins. It gets you one night's rent here in Gardenia. All right, Robbie. Gardenia bulbs. <laughs> yeah. Like the tulip bulb craze. Love it. All right. Uh, clams. Sourdough. Yeah. Clams. We got to do better than that, but thank you. Uh, empty matter. Bad guess coin. All right. Fair enough. Let's get to some news. We'll check in with you and do the good news to wrap things up here in about 12 minutes. France24.com. Western views of China hit no new lows amid pandemic. Western views of China have soured sharply amid the COVID-19 pandemic, with record numbers in major developed countries seeing the Asian power unfavorably, a survey showed Tuesday. Fourteen-nation study by Pew Research found sharp deterioration of perceptions on China in the U.S., where Trump has repeatedly sought to pin blame on Beijing for the pandemic. Near the numbers, 73% of Americans See China unfavorably, an increase of nearly 20 percentage points since Trump took office in 2017 on a nationalist agenda. So uh, negativity towards China shot up most sharply in Australia, which that, that other communist country, which has faced retaliation from its major trading partner as it largely backs its U.S. ally. So, yeah, unsurprising. Just a quick side note. BloombergQuint.com has this story. Las Vegas tops U.S. in rise of apartment tenants not paying rent. Part of our series covering the, I want to say, coronavirus, coronaphobia crisis, and the ensuing unemployment and eviction crises. But I am particularly concerned with the ongoing eviction crisis, and I somewhat overestimated the, the, the idea that it would, it, it would be kind of a fall-off cliff moment like the unemployment crisis, because remember with unemployment, it was, ha-ha, guess what, you're not going to work tomorrow. The eviction crisis, not as clear-cut as people fail to be able to pay their rents, but there was a moratorium that ended, and, and I did think that there would be kind of a, a, a cliff drop-off effect then. But this is something that is unfolding over a much longer timeline. And we're going to see further consolidation of wealth and power, as is the general purpose of government, especially regarding real estate and this eviction substory to the coronavirus crisis is a very important one to follow. So to the story, with COVID-19 tanking tourism, Las Vegas saw the biggest jump in apartment tenants who have stopped paying rent in September. 10.6% of Vegas tenants missed, paying, missed a rent payment up from 4.1% a year earlier. That's a huge jump. The largest increase in the U.S., according to data on the top 50 metro areas from RealPage, Inc., New Orleans. New Orleans also heavily dependent on tourism with the highest overall share of people not paying at 12.9%. But that was from a higher starting point up from. 8.6%. Tenants are most likely to stop paying in areas with the hardest hit economies, duh, including expensive cities, from LA to Seattle to New York, where unemployment benefit payments aren't enough to cover high rents and living expenses. As uh, Greg Willett, chief economist at Real Page, said, there's more stress in hospitality 
focused and expensive markets. The wild card and everything is what happens in the economy, and what happens in the economy is dependent on what happens with the pandemic. Mm-mm-mm. Now, interesting counterpoint across the U.S., rent payments have remained relatively stable, with 7.8% failing to pay in September, up only 1.5 percentage points from a year ago, according to the National Multifamily Housing Council. Now, even there, a 1.5% increase in people failing to pay rent is going to lead to major repercussions in the housing market, in the employment market, uh, for real estate in general, and then rippling out throughout the economy. That's why I think this, I, I, I don't hear anybody else talking about the eviction crisis as such. I really think it does deserve uh, attention as that, because this is going to be one of the, the underreported stories of the Karina crisis, partly because there are a lot of people who are afraid to admit this. I mean, for me, I'm not afraid to admit that I was so afraid I escaped paying rent entirely by buying 10 bare acres to develop myself. And I'm, you know, even in this, like even hearing, you know, all of the, the horrible stories that people are going through, I, I don't want to say I told you so because it's kind of gloating, but told you so this is what you get for living in the matrix this is what you get for being tied into the system whereas this is what i get here in gardenia being mostly independent from it the data covers tenants who still occupy their units and doesn't include single family rentals oh oh really you just left out single family rentals it's from professionally managed buildings and more representative of large landlords. Smaller ones tend to own older buildings with poor tenants more vulnerable to job loss. So even this data right here is extremely limited in covering the entire picture. When they limit the data categorically like that to say that it doesn't include single-family rentals or even what portion of current rentals in the United States that represents, you can only draw certain conclusions and, and, and look at trends. And, and one of them we do see with this geographical trend that's worth paying attention to. Where are people vulnerable? Where should they be moving away from? But this is a, a bigger problem even than most are willing to admit right now. We saw the number of months ago that 3 million Americans had moved back in with their parents. Of, co- of course, most of those college students who realized that their colleges weren't having in-person classes and dorm life just wasn't going to be what it used to be. Might as well go move back in with the rents. But there are a lot of people, millions of Americans who are still struggling, even though we have come past, we've gotten past, uh, you might say the first phase, I don't want to say the majority because who knows how long it's going to last, but the first phase of, of our forced unemployment crisis, uh, we're, we're in the second phase of it now, but there's still a lot of people who are never going to be able to make up their missed rent payments. And that was the reality for, for millions of Americans for whom these moratoriums 
moratoria on evictions were ineffective band-aids where they said, well, yes, we, we, we will not let landlords evict you, but your rent is going to keep piling up. And uh, just in my case, to share just a, a sort of side but related financial story, Verizon realized that most people weren't going to be able to make their cell phone payments. And instead of cutting, or excuse me, not most, but of those unemployed, a large number of them were not. And so they very graciously said, all right, well, we're not going to cut anybody off. And I think it was from March till June, Verizon said, you know, we, we can, you can, you can float your payments. And uh, until June, and in June, they cut it off and said, well, now you got to pay, but we'll prorate it. We'll prorate it out over the next 10 months. So my cell phone bill is going to be a little bit higher for the next 10 months. I'm not asking you to sympathize with my situation. I'm just showing, by contrast, how much easier I have it than most people. That's the only bill i got to worry about. Now, apply that to your rent or your mortgage. A lot of mortgage payments being missed as well. A lot of homeowners, you don't own your home. The bank owns your home, and you're you're on a rent-to-own program. That's what a mortgage is. It's, it's a bullshit distortion of this concept of ownership with home ownership in the United States to make more people feel like, well, I'm a homeowner. When you go, well, if you own 5% of your house and the bank owns the rest and then you can't make payments, they're going to show you what it means for the bank to own your home. There's a whole other dynamic there that deserves to be examined as well. And there are a lot of Americans hurting right now because they don't have Verizon for landlords. They are not going to be able to just prorate that rent out. It's just, well, moratorium's over, it comes due. And even if they are able to prorate that out, prorating your rent or a mortgage as opposed to your cell phone bill is going to be a lot more difficult. And so this is what's feeding what I also seem to be examining a lot more than most journalists is that there is there's a, the ho- a homelessness crisis uh, growing, brewing in America that if the government doesn't turn around some of these fundamental dynamics around rent and home ownership and mortgages, we're going to see get a lot worse, continue to get a lot worse. And for a lot of Americans, you put on top of this the confusion and uncertainty about their personal employment situation, the virus itself. Well, that would explain the suicides and the drug overdoses and the skyrocketing opioid crisis that America is experiencing right now. Yeah. And it's uh, worth taking a moment to acknowledge all the pain that those who aren't getting government money right now are experiencing. All right, that's it for the bad news. What do we have? What do we, no, don't worry. There's tons more bad news in our pile today. Um, all right, no, no chats in the producers club, but we have uh, we have just a few minutes left in the show here. You know, there, there are so many good headlines, but really, uh, no, nothing absolutely news critical. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll, I'll get Jim up on stage. We'll do comments and good news and wrap this up. We'll see how many I can just skim off the pile here. Going from back to front. Hey, welcome, Jim. Uh, from big league politics, this is the last link in the in the pile. Big Pharma's experimental COVID nineteen vaccines cause horrific side effects during human trials. Does that surprise you at all, Jim? Not in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, and it's like uh, they're, they're all so 
Moderna and Pfizer are already putting these experimental shots in patients, and there are some terrible, terrible side effects. Unsurprising that this is happening. I will take a corona vaccine as soon as I see everybody in Congress take one. No, I wouldn't even do that because I wouldn't trust them to uh, to take the actual thing as opposed to fake it. Washington Times says this story, Jim, you remember last week, I, I think we, we, had a, we had a couple conversations about Cuties, the Netflix coming-of-age documentary for young girls that was uh, sexualizing them, depending on your, your definition of that. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I came to realize eventually that I do have a problem with this. Um, you know, and, and I think Tim Pool, Tim Pool did a tweet that kind of clarified it for me. He said, imagine wanting to make a documentary exposing uh, drug use by children in order to combat the problem of drug use by children, and then instead making a movie where you give drugs to kids and watch what happens when you give them drugs. And you go, oh, yeah, you don't have to portray or recreate a problem to point it out effectively. And uh, I, I do respect their artistic license in doing this, but these are, what, 11- and 12-year-old girls in the movie? They, 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 that is below the age of consent. And this might be a small charge to level against the filmmakers, but that they scarred, traumatized, negatively impacted the actresses themselves, I think is enough to say this is wrong, it shouldn't have happened. But it may also have a bigger, you know, normalization effect that is going to be very uh, harmful for, for young women. But they are now being indicted on child porn charges. And I say fuck the government just as much to a, a legal or violent coercive response is absolutely inappropriate. And it's sad to see that the outrage over this can't be manifest in, in more peaceful ways. Jim, did you have any follow-up thoughts on QEs? Uh, well, I, I haven't been following it that closely, to be perfectly honest, but my question, I guess, would be, is this something unrelated? Like, did an executive of it get found with something on their laptop, or are they saying simply as it is, the content of the Netflix thing is child porn? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're saying that it's the making of the, it's the movie itself. There's no other further details that it's something like that. And that's, yeah, because you're right. Yeah, no, no, that you. Yeah, but no, this is over the movie. It's disgusting, no. but it's not that disgusting. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. It's tasteless. It might be carelessly harmful to the actresses involved and have some, you know, broader social negative side effect. But if we're going to be better than this as a society, we have to deal with it better than this. Um, and I, I would point out again, I. I I, I will unpaid promo here for the social dilemma. Um, by the way, I had an article about that we're still going to get to, but we'll save that. Uh, but the idea that uh, social media, Facebook in particular, becoming available on mobile devices led to a scary spike in suicides, not just for teenage women ages 14 to 18, but girls in the 10 to 14 age range saw a, uh, a huge spike in suicides uh, as of that point, and that's covered in the, the social dilemma. So I think that's uh, certainly important related to this. Uh, another quick one here. 
New York Times has this headline, Jail employees face charges after using Baby Shark song to punish inmates. I love this. I love this. And this is, I have, I do have standards. I have lines that I refuse to cross. I will badly sing almost any song that I know the lyrics to that gets mentioned on air here. I refuse to even hum Baby Shark. If you don't know Baby Shark, congratulations. Most annoying kid song ever. But apparently inmates at an Oklahoma jail were handcuffed to a wall and forced to stand and listen to the ubiquitous children's tune on repeat. This is worse than playing Metallica for inmates at Guantanamo. This is a certain kind of psychological torture that is just, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, but at, at least I, I think, I think we can be glad that, that someone, at least uh, by, by some statist standard, uh, is, is, is being held accountable for this. Jim, you know the song, right? I unfortunately do, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. I have plenty of nieces and nephews. Yeah, I know the song. Yeah. Yeah, if you have any kids in your in your uh in your life you would know this. Oh the only one good more... thing I can say about it is that I haven't heard it in a long time. It's not like a thing right now. It was a stop, just for a stop, while, stop, like stop. Many... I'm just like, no, no one. Moving on. All right, no more. On. No more. Anybody who mentions baby whatever on air will will be forever banned from Adam versus the man. Uh that's my that's my broccoli. Like broccoli, broccoli is to George W. or George Bush as senior as Baby Shark is to Adam Kokesh. So, um, one more quick, uh, quick uh, headline here to to get out of the way. Another fear mongering headline about COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen could cause male infertility. New Israeli study, and it's like, really, uh. Of all the bullshit they have used to scare us, oh yeah, your balls might not work. And this is this is the second time they've tried this. Remember, we covered this headline a couple weeks ago that was, um, your balls might explode, right? That there's there's one patient in America who experienced some like freak testicular swelling condition who had corona, and they didn't even prove that it was caused by corona, but they blamed it on corona, and now. Having your balls explode might be a potential side effect. So all you tough guys out there walking around without masks, that diaper on your face is really protecting your nuts. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't scare you, does it, Jim? Not a bit. All right. Well, I think that's uh... – oh, a uh, quick one. You know, Ken and Karen from St. Louis uh, waving guns at protesters. They're, they finally got indicted. Yeah, grand jury and died to the St. Louis couple who displayed guns while hundreds of racial injustice protesters marched on their private street. Yeah, and I said this before. Like, I don't think they should be indicted. I, I mean, I don't think, you know, sort of a no harm, no foul kind of crime, but it was a crime. Uh, brandishing weapons, pointing them at someone, uh, even with your, and by the way, their fingers were not straightened off the trigger. It was a really an embarrassing moment for gun safety as well, but, um, all right, in the producer's chat, Mercedes is saying that she will sing it. Well, now I'm afraid to ever let Mercedes on the air again. Um, you better not. She'll be fired. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, said she, I sang, she says, I sang it 
while I was in labor with my mom. So your mom was in labor and you were being born and you were singing it coming out of the womb? No, that's not what she meant. Uh, you were in labor and your mom was there and you were singing it to your unborn child because you hate yourself so much and you hate your kid that you really want to embed this most disgusting, offensive piece of music. In an un- How dare you abuse your child by singing that song which shall no longer be mentioned on Adam versus the man before they are even born. You should have been reported to CPS. Mm-hmm. All right. So, all right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. One other. And this this is something we're going to have to come back to. But uh, long-term jobless figures rise, underscoring economic pain. Uh, quick thing about the VP debate tonight. Pence team agrees to plexiglass barrier at the debate with Kamala Harris tonight. Um yeah, other stuff we're gonna get into. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to get into uh, a little more detail. But man, even even with that, we have so many stories that we we just didn't get to today. So Jim, any uh, any other guesses or or suggestions for our currency contest? I only see two more guesses by the same person. Uh, hold on, I want to play a profit for a second. You're not gonna like them. Uh, just because they're random, though, so maybe you will. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Uh, Tomentum Cash. Slow mm. right, right? Meh. Okay. And the cutie coin. The cutie coin. Oh. No. No winners today. We'll have a better contest for you tomorrow, I promise. Jim, anything else you want to say or other... Uh, Intelligent comments, perhaps, from our audience this morning? Uh, no, it'll be okay. I'm sure there are some great ones in there that are, <laughs> that are lost in the feed. And I apologize right. for that, everybody. I wish I could get your every comment yep. up. but well thank, you every, well, thank you, everybody, for watching live and commenting. And thank you, Jim, for keeping us connected to our audience. Let's do the good news and, and wrap this sucker up. Just hopefully not much more than 10 minutes late. A hundred years ago today, the University of Oxford, England, allowed women to become full members and study for full degrees for the first time, and the first 40 women were admitted. By the way, this is goodnewsnetwork.org. Happy to give them a plug. Great way to end the show every day and point out what some people think is good news isn't necessarily, but most of it is. And certainly this fun little historical window we take a look through every day just reinforces my confidence in the beauty of humanity and the continuation of this great dance forward. So it was on this day in 1765, the Stamp Act Congress convened in New York to drop colonial grievances against England. Yeah, that was good news. On this day in 1942, the U.S. and British governments announced the establishment of the U.N., the intergovernmental organization that won a Nobel Peace Prize in 2001 for sending peacekeeping troops into conflict areas like East Timor. Now, for all the ways that the UN has become a racket, I think the general coming together of global consciousness can still be celebrated as good news. On this day in 1955, American poet Allen Ginsberg performed his poem Howl for the first time in the Sixth Gallery in San Francisco. On this day in 1954, the New York's Met Opera hired its first black performer, Contralto singer Marian Anderson. On this day in 1963, President John F. Kennedy 
signed the partial test ban treaty with Britain and the Soviet Union prohibiting all test detonations of nuclear weapons except underground. Yeah, how dare you pollute the Earth with nuclear radiation unless you do it directly inside the Earth. Uh, actually, still generally good news of, of government responding to public pressure to limit nuclear operations. On, uh, and on this day in 1982, my birth year, Cats, the musical, opened on Broadway beginning its record run of 7,485 performances. No mention of the cinematic adaptation disaster. And today we would be saying happy 80, or we should be saying happy 89th birthday to Desmond Tutu, the Archbishop of Cape Town, who received the 1984 Nobel Peace Prize for his efforts in South Africa to end apartheid. And with that being said, thank you so much for joining us. Go to AdamVersusTheMan.com, check out the store, get some merch, help support us. Patreon.com slash AdamVersusTheMan can also be found from AdamVersusTheMan.com. Join us $10 a month being the Producers Club. Don't forget, if you want to join me with your own cigars for Cigars and Sunsets every Friday evening, go to CigarFederation.com, promo code ADAM10, ADAM10, all caps, gets you 10% off. Look at that, CJ, genius, with it on the screen just like that. And I think with that being said, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness. Be excellent to each other. 